Blog Talk Radio. about expression of spirit. So we are here to open, openly and honestly express ourselves as we are discovering our truth on this walk, on the road of authenticity. So thank you so much for joining us this week. And I am Nikki, one of your hosts, and joining me today is Sean. Say hello, Sean. Hello. I don't have you on mute. Well, let me see. The, the switchboard doesn't say that I have you on mute, and Aaron has not called in yet, so I hope we didn't get our signal class. Okay, I'm going to put you on mute. This is mute. And now I'm going to take you off mute. Thank you for all those who are listening live to our technical yeah. difficulties. Okay, are you off now? Okay. There you go. Hello, Sean. You, What's up, oh, what's yeah. up, what's up? Okay. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Good, good, good. Okay, so I am just sent a message to Aaron. He hasn't called in. I don't know if we got some signal press or what, but our other um, co-host is uh, Aaron. So we'll see if he calls in. Aaron, um, if you're joining us today for the first time, thank you for joining us. We welcome input. This is the show for... All, everybody's part of the Blue Clicks who wants to be part of the Blue Clicks will call in if you want to call in. And um, press 1 to raise your hand if you have a question. The number is 347-215-8639. If you don't want to talk live but you have a question, you can send an email to us with any questions, comments, show concerns um, during the live broadcast or at any time, and we will ask in a future broadcast um, if you want it addressed on the show, to blueclick at gmail.com. That's B-L-U-E-C-L-I-Q-U-E at gmail.com. 
And I would open the chat room, but my computer is challenged because I had some kind of weird virus on there a while ago, and so it doesn't let me see everything. It's got some weird foreign characters on there. So um, I don't know how well it's going to open. So thank you. If you've joined us before, thank you for joining us. Subscribe um, on Blog Talk or on iTunes, leave a comment, rate us so other people can find us or hear us or let us know what you what you think of the show. We'd love to have your input and feedback. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, what we want to talk about today, well, let's talk about it's, it's 2015 according to the Gregorian calendar, but it's you know, depending on if you think this is a, a new year or not, it might be the beginning of the year. It's kind of how the most of the of the United States kind of begins use it this time in the dead of winter to start over, um, or to start something new, or looks at it as a new beginning. And so we want to kind of I want to talk a little bit about um maybe the reasons why we should not um, start new or, or Sean, what are your thoughts about how we as a society start New Year January 1st? I know you have some specific thoughts on that. Give us some thoughts and some insight on, on your uh, your thoughts of starting the New Year and this being right now in January in 2015. What did you well, do for I mean, New Year, if anything? I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything in terms of an observation <clears throat> or having it define, you know, my new year for me. It it it, it doesn't reflect um, with the natural cycles of, of of what a new year represents. You know, and just the word new by itself represents something coming into fruition from something old, you know. And in the dead of winter, if you observe anything that goes on in the dead of winter, nothing new is being birthed outside of, you know, <laughs> people who are born out of, you know, the gestation cycle started nine months ago and they happened to come here during the dead of winter. But in terms of planting and things of that nature or things becoming anew or growing or the growth season as it relates to new mm-hmm doesn't happen in the dead of winter. So when people have New Year's resolutions and I'm going to change, I'm going to be different, this is a new year, and they plant those seeds into the etheric realm, which reflects with, you know, your your current time and space or where you are in terms of geography, there's nothing there to support or to foster this growth into fruition. So you're, you're planning newness or you're trying to, 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 to bring forth newness in soil that is basically gone in itself and retracting and getting ready for the real planting and the real growth season, which doesn't take place until the spring or the spring equinox. So all of mm-hmm. the resolutions and all of the change and, 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 and the things that we forecast or throw out there for ourselves in terms of things that we want to be now observed because of a new year, they're not supported by anything. Thus, they don't usually last. You know, it feels good for a moment because someone said that there's newness upon us. And you, you take that philosophy 
and hold it as something that to be true. But as you try to foster any energy from it, there's no energy to be gained from it because there's no newness there. The newness mm-hmm. is always been observed and taking place. The new year has always taken place in the springtime. You know? Right. Right. And so in, in the winter is a time to you know, reflect and slow down and a time and during that time of slowing down is a time of healing. So we really skip over all of that in the winter because look look what comes up. So in the winter when um you know it's we have shorter days and longer nights, it's a time to really slow down and go in and reflect and heal. Let go of all of that stuff, clean cleanse, clean your liver, all of that stuff in your that you've been holding in your body all this time is a time of letting go and reflecting. And we really skip over that with we've got Thanksgiving, um, where you have to um, you know, be quote unquote on with family and entertaining family and friends. Then you've got Christmas, which is all about shopping and materialism and making other people happy and stress and going to parties and eating and then drinking and consuming and more consuming and more consuming and then you've got New Year's where you're you you feel the need let go and purge. Um but now it's a new year. Now you gotta start over. Now you gotta pile on although it's a it's a time where people say I wanna let go, I wanna change, you're actually piling on more stuff. You never have that time to slow down um and to to stop and give your your mind, your body a rest where you really can reflect on on those on those things that that you're supposed to slow down and and you know and hibernate and really reflect and then when spring comes around when everything is starting to come awake and anew and grow um, you can start to to plant those seeds that are going to lead you into well, the growing season. And we don't do that because we jump no. in with Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of these holidays <clears throat> that take more away from you, take more and more away from you rather than, than adding to you. Um, well, every, every, everything is turned upside down. Everything is turned upside down mm-hmm. in that regard. I mean, in, 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 in essence, you're supposed to be going inward. You're supposed to be digging yeah. down and going inside, going deep inside to bring those things up that are ready to be planted and, and, and to grow and facilitate, be facilitated with growth when that season arises. Everything that we do in the dead of winter is outside of ourselves. Everything that we're doing mm-hmm. in the observance of all of those holidays are things that are done outwardly. When in all actuality, and, 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 and I have to believe that that's, that's done by design. That's absolutely done by design. It's, not, it's no yeah. coincidence those things come about in the time in which they come about. And the energy that you're supposed to be using for yourself at that point, the things that you're supposed to be going inward for, or the things that you're supposed to be gleaning from within, you can't because you're you're out doing things and all of these outward expressions and all of these outward observances, of course, take away from the natural order of you going inside of yourself and bringing those things up that are naturally there from the inside. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. To me, the whole observation, even this conversation, this is a nucleus conversation. And when you look at a cell and you see the nucleus being the smallest, smallest part of that cell, yet the most important part of that cell in terms of information, the same is true for us. You have to do everything that we're talking about in terms of growth, everything that we're talking about in terms of, of expansion comes from within. The quantum world dictates the larger world. The subatomic world dictates the if you go back and look at listen to what Kalindi was talking about when he was here talking about the mushroom and the fungi and how mm-hmm. information and how it conveys that information. It doesn't convey that information on a large scale. All of that information is subatomic in nature. Everything that that we mm-hmm. talk about observing in terms of expansion and growth happens from the subatomic level. You know, it's nothing outside of us that can facilitate or foster growth. Nothing. Right, and I have to agree um, with you when you say that everything that takes us outside of our natural order, such as we celebrate the new year in the dead of winter, um, look what time we start the day. The day begins in the middle of the night. So... Right. And you said everything's kind of turned upside down. What does that do? What does that do to us knowing that the, the beginning of the day starts in the middle of the night, the beginning of the year starts in the dead of winter when everything is dead and the rest of the it world keeps you, nature it keeps you from trees, gaining any sense of equilibrium. Art. It it right. keeps you from gaining any sense of self. It keeps you caught in the cognition of the cycles of commerce <laughs> for the lack of better, you know, yes. observation. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. It's about keeping you off your square so you can be more viable for someone else. Keeping you the off your square. Right. Sit and reflect and see what it is that you want to do. You might realize, hey, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do mm-hmm. that. So that doesn't, you know, it doesn't bode well for the people who need you to pay their mortgage. Mm-hmm. Right. For the people who need you to pay for their yacht or their vacation or whatever the the, the, the situation may be. But if you're not in a place right, where you're able to stop and, and, and smell the rose and say, hold up, what the hell am I doing? Then you're always mm-hmm. going to be caught in the tide of the day, and the tide is never flowing in your favor. Yeah, basically it's designed, when you have, you mentioned it's by design, it's designed to keep you numb enough so that you you never become fully aware of what's going on around you. So as long as you... Stay comfortable enough, as long as you're pacified enough to justify going along with the program because this is what they're telling you you're supposed to do, you'll keep doing it. But as long as you have that opportunity for any type of awakening and to think about what am I doing, to to stop and be able to ask yourself the question, what am I doing, and then have the time, ability, and wherewithal to think about that, they no longer have you. Right, right. And you can't do anything with that mm-hmm. with that entity. Right. You can't do anything right. with a self-sustaining, self-fulfilled entity. Yeah. You know, as long as you have people looking outside of themselves for sustenance, then you always have somebody to do what you need them to do. You know? Mm-hmm. The first, you know, as soon as you realize that none of the sustenance that you're looking for is outside of yourself, 
then, you know, you're automatically off of that wheel. Once you take that in and you really understand that for what it is, then you're off that wheel. You know, we talk about heaven and all of that kind of stuff, and, and, and all of these things, all of these abstract ideas are usually things that are way, way, way outside of ourselves. And in most cases, we're looking upward and outward, and we're looking toward the stars, and we're looking toward heaven and all of these things. But even as mundane as some of the words in the Bible are, it says the kingdom is within, not mm-hmm. without. The Bible itself says the kingdom is within. But everyone looks up in the sky when they pray. Everyone mm-hmm. looks their head upward when they pray. But the, the the change that they're looking for is inside of themselves. It so how is that been. usually translated with with people who are reading that and they see, you know, the the Bible says that it's within how how is that translated? How does that how do they not make that connection? They translate it as it being peace, like the king. When they say the kingdom is within, mm. inner peace, and inner peace being mm. something you gain from outside, drawing it inward. You know, which is the biggest misconception out there. Again, it's like you know everything is upside down. You cannot mm-hmm. satisfy inner peace or, or 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 come to inner peace by outward observances. There's no way that that's possible. You know, and even in science, as mundane as science can be at times, when it talks about the God particle and it talks about the Big Bang and at first there was one tiny particle that contained everything, the smallest of the small that expanded all the way out. And and, 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 and in a sense, that's true. The growth that we're talking about and the expansion and and the, I guess, Universal um, awareness that we're talking about is 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 a small, 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 tiny, 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 tiny thing, way, way, way down within everybody, <laughs> and it's all the same one thing. Mm-hmm. Not the big way outside of yourself. So as we're going in and we're going closer to that oneness, that oneness is 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 is, is infinitesimally small. So when you look at Science and how science is relating to that. All of the nanotechnology and the microcomputers and everything is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And, smaller. Right. Mm-hmm. and going back to what Clindy was talking about in terms of the mushrooms, when you're dealing with the mushrooms, those things that can, those conveyances are microscopic in nature. When you're taking and ingesting those things, you're actually shrinking down. Like he was saying, that one guy explained the DNA molecule because he shrunk down and observed it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Everything is coming from the inside, if I'm making any sense. Nothing out there is relevant beyond what's coming from the inside of you. So as long as they can continue to have you look outside of yourself, observe things outside of yourself, understand things outside of yourself as it relates to other people, then you're always going to be looking for, you know, the needle in the haystack, and you're in the wrong haystack. That's why those seasons and those things are put where they're put. You know, because your natural inclination is to shut it down, to settle down, to go go within yourself. Mm-hmm. And those things come bubbling to the surface when you get to the point when you're able to receive them in that manner. But until then, you can't hear anything because you're out, you're looking, you know, you're all partying, mm-hmm. singing Jingle Bell Rock. Right, and, right. Know, <laughs> 
All of those. All right. Turning up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That answers that question. Down Turn down for what? For your right. For right. your spiritual growth. <laughs> Turn down for your spiritual That's what you turn down for. Exactly. Turn down for what? Exactly. There you go. Turn down for your evolution. There you, you go. Know? There you go. So you you raised, I want you to, um, you raised an interesting question um, earlier when you said, and, and whoever's listening, I kind of want everybody to kind of think about you as a, your own, you are your own universe. So if you are able to shrink your shrink down to the size of your cells and be peers with your cells for a little while, what kind of experience do you think they're having and what would you see? So I'm gonna ask wow. you to ask that question and I'm gonna answer that question and I want the pe- people who are listening, think about what you how you treat your body, how you talk to your body, what you do to your body. We're going to go inward. It's winter. Let's talk about going inward. If you were the cells in your body, you are the universe. Um, so everything that you you choose to put into your body, what you're feeding your cells, the thoughts that you're sending your cells, the amount of stress on your cells, what you expect from your cells, if you are able to shrink down and to be to to be one of your cells, what kind of experience are you having? Are you giving yourself the best experience possible so that the entity is taking care of you as you are taking care of each of those entities? Because each one of those, it's like is this his own entity with his own universe as well. Right. So those in, those entities, I mean, just like as we're on this planet, there's a compilation of energy that come together and reflect one giant entity as it, as it relates to this planet. This planet has an aura. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And that general aura is radiated by all of the thoughts combined of all of the people that are thinking in the way that they're thinking. And, I mean, to be quite honest, given what we're in in terms of world observation, that aura probably is really fucked up right now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because you know we're 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 at a we're at a state which reflects the idea that we're we're at probably one of our lowest states in terms of understanding or 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 knowing where and what we are at this particular point we're we're steeped in ignorance steeped in ignorance as it relates to us <laughs> and we've given away our innate abilities to understand what and where we are to machines that do it for us. Mm -hmm. So we're now even further in an ignorant state in that regard in terms of we're allowing these machines to to work out and sort through processes that we're capable of, always have been. You know, and you hear people all the time talk about, you know, the Egyptians and what they did and the stuff that they did and how they were able to do it was the fact that they were closely more connected with themselves. They had more of their Mm -hmm. DNA active, you know, at this point, we mm. have, you know, this 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 a mundane mm. observation. We have probably none of our our DNA active in terms of understanding where we've been up to this point. Most of us still agree to the idea that this is our first incarnation, inclination, and we've never been here before, <clears throat> and we can't know anything outside of what someone teaches us or tells us mm-hmm. what to know. 
You know, when you look at the monuments that are still standing, impeccably so, and, right. you know, the fact that no one can really explain to this day how they even put those back up there because they're supposed to be way more ignorant than we were way back then. Right, but, they had know, no technology. Was, how could they do all that exactly. with no technology? They had more technology than we had. Must have been aliens. They had with, uh, they it must have been aliens. It must have been exactly. It must have been aliens, or 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 or, or people from the future that came back into our time and space and, right. and erected those those monuments, right. which could be the case as well. Right. You know, but you know, to shrink down, to shrink down to one of those trillions and trillions and trillions of subatomic particles and cells that are in you that all are conscious. And they all have a degree of awareness, and to move, to be able to move amongst them, what would you, what would you see, in terms of who mm-hmm. you are? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? If you take into account all of the poisons and the foreign, foreign things that we place into our bodies and we give ourselves for nourishment that they can't do anything with because they're not equipped to process these things. <clears throat> so as a result, you know, just like we are, they're left to deal and, 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 and uh, make do with, with junk. And mm-hmm. you know from fasting and all those other things that when you deal with with, with um, subpar nutrition, it affects your thinking. It affects your thinking. It affects the way that you think. It affects the way that you perceive everything. You know, and if you don't believe that, for a couple of days. Huh? Mm-hmm. How so? How so? Well, mm-hmm. just be speaking personally from my own observation, when I'm eating junk food, when I'm out there eating chips and, and, and drinking soda and all of that kind of stuff, my level of awareness in terms of me is not where it is when I'm on my juice fast or I'm putting the correct things in my body. My level of insight when I'm putting correct things in my body. When I say correct things, I mean food, real food that my body is designed to process. Mm-hmm. Food that allow my, my cells <laughs> to nourish in a proper way so they can perform their functions properly and dispel uh, disease and all of the other things that, that attack it. I'm able to, I guess, I'm almost psychic, yo. For the lack of a better term, when I'm when my body is functioning efficiently, mm-hmm. when your body's not fighting the things that you put in it, when it's not distracted by the poisons that you when put in it, when it's not distracted, huh? I said, yeah, distraction is a good word. When it's not distracted, yeah. when it's not distracted, when and you see how much it's distracted when you come off of that stuff. Even if it's just for a little while, you'll see how much your body is, how, how distracted your body is. You no longer, you no longer need as much sleep as you did. Your senses are like super aware. I mean, you get, I, man, my, mm-hmm. my my sense of smell is incredible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> my sense of smell is incredible, yo. You know, and and and. and just your general awareness of everything around you is greater. Everything around you makes more sense, and you're able to make more sense of the things around you as it relates to you personally. You know, it's, it's a personal, okay, I have to tell a quick story. 
uh, about until we, before we get off about the um your sense of smell. The pizza story. The pizza in the hospital story. You remember that? <laughs> you and you were on what, what what day were you on at that point? Oh man, I was probably um, like in the forties something. You were pretty far into it, yeah. So so yeah. was on a day forty something of a sixty day juice fast and um we were at the hospital ready for the arrival of uh our two year old and he's walking me around as I'm kind of walk through my labor pains. And we pass by somebody's closed door, and he says, they're eating pizza. We pass by another door, and he says, they're eating burgers. And he's, he can smell all these weird smells in the hallway, which, of course, I didn't smell anything because I was distracted by a person trying to push his way out of my body. But his sense of smell was so distinct that he could he could – distinguish different smells but he could he could break from all these smells that were meshed together he could determine he can break the smells and determine exactly where they were coming from just by yeah. you know walking around the hallway so it was that was quite incredible buffalo wings buffalo wings yeah i could sm- i could smell the buffalo wings <laughs> i could smell the celery that was with the buffalo wings i could smell the ranch dressing and the doors were shut. And it wasn't a thing where I was hungry, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm craving these foods. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was And the doors were shut. Right. Right, the doors were shut. But I wasn't even tripping on food at that point. By the time you're in day 40 of a juice fast, food is like, okay, you can take it or leave it. All of those hunger things that you have when you first start fasting and the cravings that you have are long gone. You're not even tripping on that kind of stuff. But your level of awareness is in impeccable. It's impeccable. And if I, I you know, mm-hmm. I, if I didn't experience it for myself, there's, you know, I couldn't speak to it. But my own personal observation as it relates to, you know, me putting poisons in my body versus me functioning from a level of correctness in terms of nutrition, something as, as simple, and I say that, you know, tongue-in-cheek, mm-hmm. simple as nutrition Changes everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So when you think of yourself in terms of yourself being a universe, and those things inside of you are being inspired by the sun within you, as we're being inspired by the sun that's up in the sky from us, as we're in somebody. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Correct. When right. You, exactly. So it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and smaller and smaller and infinity on both sides. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So when you think about, again, I was going to say again, when you think about, um, you know, your body being its own universe and all of the things that you're, what kind of universe or what kind of society, quote unquote, are you creating with all of the members? that live within your body. So if you think about, like you said, we're made up of trillions of cells. So we've got 50 trillion single-celled citizens inside of your body that, you know, work as a cooperative community, but they can only work as a cooperative community community under the guides of what you are supplying your community with, food, thoughts, stress, exercise, so all of the things on the outside 
that you complain about with your community, what your community, quote-unquote, leaders are doing or not doing, what if you shrink down, again, to one of those single-celled citizens, what what would they be saying about you? So that's kind of one way to look at, are you governing your citizens the way you would want to be governed? Are you giving them what they need in order to do their job? Are you helping and a way to know that is how do you feel? Are you healthy? Are you stressed? Are you um, where you in the condition that you want to be? So everything that is happening on a physical level with your body is a telltale sign of what is going on on a spiritual level and whether your single-cell citizens are able to do their job based off of the materials that you've given them. Um, and if you're just eating junk food and you're not giving... One one of the examples that I um, used to tell my students when I was trying to get them to eat a vegetable is I would always give it, which is, was a really good visualization for me, was let's say you have to, even if you don't bake, you don't know how to bake, everybody kind of knows what's in a cake. you got eggs, you got sugar, you got flour, baking soda, milk, you know, the basics. You're going to bake a cake. Well, somebody says, well, that's basically how your brain works and how your body works. Is you, Your brain still has to make the 60-something neurotransmitters that it has to make every day. But what does it use to make those neurotransmitters? It uses the food that you give it. So if you have to bake a cake, either you're going to have all the ingredients that you need or you have to bake the cake anyway. You're going to use the ingredients that you've been given, which are incomplete. So if you have to bake a cake but you don't have flour, you're going to bake the cake. Is it going to be a cake that you want to, you, you're going to want to eat? Probably not without flour not going to be complete. It's not going to do what it needs to do. It's not going to be able to give, you're not giving it everything that it needs to be a cake, to look like a cake, to act like a cake, to taste like a cake, to function like a cake. Um, is it going to be a good cake? No. Well, that's the same thing that your your brain has to do and your body has to do and your cells have to do is if you're not giving it the ingredients that it needs in order to build the numerous chemicals, neurotransmitters, hormones, and everything that it needs to function because all all it has to work off of is soda and sugar and chips and artificial flavor and coloring and dyes. It's going to make it out of all that artificial color, dyes, flavoring, colors, soda, sugar, high fructose corn syrup. What kind of condition are your cells going to be in? They're going to be there and they're going to function, but how well are they going to function? So, right. So, if your mood, there there is such a strong food mood connection that people don't realize. If you don't, if you're irritable, if you're stressed, if you're fearful, if you um, are short tempered, if you're tired, if you're, um, you know, moody, if you're snapping on people. If you're crying all the time, you're sad, you're depressed, one of the first things you should look at is your diet. What are you giving your body? Because your what you're giving your body is what your brain has to use in order to 
make all the chemicals that are released throughout your body. Um, and if it's incomplete, it's incomplete. It's still going to make them, but it's going to be half-assed, very poorly made chemicals, which are going to affect your mood because the chemicals are incomplete. So you're not going to be able to release serotonin when you want to when you need to release serotonin, or the endorphins aren't going to kick in, um, or you're going to be too tired to um, produce what you need to produce to get. Um, the runner's high that you need if you're exercising, you're going to crash very early or you're not going to be able to (laughs) stay awake at, you know, you're going to crash at your desk at 3 o'clock or whatever. Um, And then you need more caffeine and then you need, then you're going to drink more soda. Then you're going and then it just starts to cycle all over again. So a lot of people don't, they look at their food food as more than I'm hungry, I need to eat something. They're building blocks. So what kind of building blocks are you supplying your body with? And the way that you feel has a direct effect on how you live out the rest of your life and the decisions that you make and the changes you decide to make and the choices that you make throughout the day. So when you decide to eat something, there's more implications and consequences than just the calories. Is this going to make me fat or not? This is what usually people look at. Or... I'm hungry, I need to stop this hunger. But it has everything to do with you eat this, how's it going to affect your mood, how's it going to affect your energy, how that affects your decisions, how that affects your choices, how that affects the, the changes or challenges or how you handle things, and how that affects the rest of your life. So there's a huge, huge fold-out of how your simple choice of what you eat affects every other part of your life. So it's not something Absolutely. that should be taken lightly. Not at all. And that that those feelings that you feel like you were talking about, all the sorrow and all of that stuff, that's your cells crying out, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's your cells crying out. Just tell when you're just imagine just imagine being placed on a battlefield and you have to fight you have to fight all of these foreign entities from invading right. your territory. But you don't have anything in terms of of, of nourishment to replenish you and give you energy to fight this onslaught, this perpetual mm-hmm. onslaught. And you're you're asked to, to, to basically spend all of the energy that you had without replenishing, without the means of replenishing, without the means to replenish yourself or replenish those cells so they can continue to fight on your behalf. So, of course, they're, asked, they're naturally going to be stressed. The stress that you feel is coming from the inside. And everything that, that, that we experience in terms of outside observations are coming from the inside. There is nothing going on outside of you that you don't see from your inside perspective. So whatever your perspective is, you're going to see that facilitated or dictated or manifest outside of you in terms of observation. So <laughs> I, my contention is the stresses that you encounter are stresses that are mm-hmm. in you know, mm-hmm. you're seeing them from the outside in terms of observation because that's all you can see. You can't see what's going on inside. You know, and that that old adage goes, you are what you eat. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Everything that dictates you mm-hmm. is happening from the subatomic level. Everything that dictates the larger macro reality that we think is reality is dictated from a quantum perspective. 
the smaller right. is dictating the larger. So as that relates to our conversation, it, it's the going inward in terms of getting with those things deep down inside of you that need to surface in terms of the things that need to flourish and come forward. Just like a plant, you know, when you have seeds and you plant those seeds into the dark soil and those seeds germinate and then they come out and the plant springs through the soil and comes out, you know, as a plant, that plant starts mm-hmm. off. All of the information about that plant was in that seed. You know, just as within us, all of the information about us is within us, you know, and as we try to make resolutions and change our reality and change things from what's going on on the outside of us, we're, we're ignoring the fact that those things that are going on on the outside of us are coming from the seeds that are within us. Here. You know, you you can't have a you can't have a plant without a seed. You can't have a garden without seeds. Those seeds mandate and dictate all of the information that is needed in order to grow the things that we need to grow. In order to right. have the things that we know, be the things that we are. Those things, that information, all of that DNA, and all of those, all of that information. It's quantum inside. All of that thing, all of that stuff is infinitesimal. You have to go within yourself. The journey that everybody keeps talking about, I'm on the path, I'm on the path, and this journey that everybody talks about, the journey to enlightenment is inside of you. Mm-hmm. Not outside of you. It's inside of you. Everybody's waiting for a, for a Christ. That Christ is down inside of you. <laughs> right. That's you. Right. That's and, you. And this, right. That's Right. This is this is the time of year where you you're supposed to be down in there, down in there, bringing those things up, those things that are necessary for you and for your own evolution, bring them out to fruition, so they can benefit everyone else. But they start deep within you. You know, you got folks now in the gym. You can't find a treadmill now in the gym because everybody's <laughs> living out the new year's resolution to change. I'm changing. I'm gonna get skinny for the new year. And they say that for two weeks. And then Super Bowl comes. Super Bowl comes. And, and it'll be empty. Yeah. It'll be empty in February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super Bowl comes, and they eat nachos, and, and you know, it's the same right. cycle. The same cycle. There's no change to be made outside of you. And as mm-hmm. long as you continue to look outside of your ass for change, you're always going to be looking for change. Right. And, and I think part of that is people waiting. It's a new year. It's 2012, 2016. I'm and that's part of it. Same shit. Say what? Yeah, that's part of it is the the fact that people are waiting for January. You don't have to wait for the ball to drop to make those changes. If you feel those, like you want to make those changes in the middle of December, make those changes when you when 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 your when your cell or when your spirit is calling out for it. If it's if it's December fifteenth, you don't have to say, okay, well, I'm going to wait until Monday. I'm going to wait until. I mean, that's just allowing your fear to make an excuse and to, to take over. I'm going to wait till January. I'm going to wait until I get a, until, until. I'm going to wait until I get a gym membership. I'm going to wait until I, you know, it's always until, until, until. So I I used to make some New Year's resolutions and, you know, it would always be I'm going to change, I'm going to do this. And, of course, they never last because they're always under the pretense of this is, 
when you're supposed to make changes. So I'm going to find some changes to make because that's what I'm supposed to do, but none of them were really genuine or really anything that was speaking to my spirit other than I wanted to make a change so that I could be better in the eyes of other people. So I want to go on a diet so I can lose weight so that I can look better to other people so that other people, I get more compliments or I'm going to, you know, somehow be a better person or a better human being. And it's not about trying to be a better human being in other people's eyes or to please your family or to please your parents or to please your spouse or whoever. It's about your own inner personal growth, which is what the the winter season is really should be or could be used for is to use that energy to prepare the soil for the seeds that you're going to plant in the spring so that you'll get the amount the maximum growth or the growth that you need when everything is 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 alive and awake and plentiful. So right now is the time to to prepare the soil and to let everything rest and to nourish and to to cleanse um, your soil before you start planting because a lot of people just think I'm just going to, you know, then you have sick, again, incomplete sick artificial flowers. So what are you planting? What are you doing to prepare? Not you personally, but what are you doing? What do we do to prepare the soil for the planting of the things that we want to have be manifest in our lives in the upcoming year, whether this is the beginning of the year for us or not. Those are some of the things that we should be thinking about. Um, any any thought, Any other thoughts on that? I do want to talk about um, one of the things that also goes along with, with winter is one of the things that on um, the – why shamanism now was discussing was how this is really a time for your liver and kidney healing and how going inward and having some stillness and silence in the winter months helps you to cleanse your liver because along with all the food that we talked about you have to digest, all of those emotions that you hold in, all of the stress that you don't deal with, your liver and your um, kidneys have to filter and process that as well. So whatever you're not dealing with is going to hold itself in your liver and in your kidneys. And if you think about um, us as a population, melanated people, who has more kidney problems than black folks? Nobody. Absolutely. And if you don't think organs hold memory, if you don't think organs hold emotion, if you don't think organs hold these things in terms of of, of, of recording emotions and and, and sentiments, talk to anyone who's had a a kidney transplant or an organ transplant, and they'll tell you (laughs) that the things that they experience based on a new organ being introduced to their body of things that are foreign to mm-hmm. them and you, things or thoughts or ideas that were given or, or resided within the person that they got the organ from. So these That's things, wild. organs not only, yeah, yeah, not only do those organs have 
you know, their own biological function, but they also <laughs> resonate the sentiments that are going on within the body. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you know that's not some hocus pocus. That's that's what's going on. And again, that that could be easily supported by talking to anyone who's ever had an organ transplant, a major organ transplant. Just hey, you, you know, I can do stuff from stuff as simple as I didn't used to like tomatoes. Now I can't get enough of them. So I remember being in a car accident and you know seeing faces that I've never seen before. Mm, based on right. a new organ being introduced to their body. So all that to say, everything that goes on with you is with you. It's inside of you. It's, 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 it has an effect on you, you know. All of the organs that we have not only do their body, like the pineal, it not only does it function in terms of, you know, secreting uh, uh, serotonin and melatonin, but it, it, it also has the higher aspect in terms of, 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 of being the seat of the soul, as people call it. You know, there are, there are dual functions within the body with almost everything. You know, so mm-hmm. saying all that, you know, you have to be mindful of the idea that when you try to facilitate change or try to foster understanding based on the things that are going on around you, you're never really going to get there. You always it, It's almost like a dog chasing his own tail. Is a dog chasing his own. You're running in a circle, chasing your tail, chasing your mm-hmm. tail, chasing your tail, being affected by the things that you see and having those things that you see affect your body. Now your body's affecting you. And now you're more, right. you know, it's, it's a vicious cycle. Right. It's a cycle. It's vicious yeah. And this time of year is the time of year to get off of that. But, of course, yes. we're, 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 we're directed to go more outward and be more, you know, uh, uh, extroverted and, and, and engage in parties and festivities mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm down for a good party. You know that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yo. <laughs> There's times and seasons for everything. You know, and you have right. all these people wondering why their lives and the circumstances never change, but they're not really doing the things that you have to do in order for those things to be changed or renewed. Right. And it's one life. thing to say, yeah. right, it's one thing to say it, it's one thing to add an action to it and actually do it. Because a lot of people will say, I want to do it, I want to do it, I want to do it, and they're waiting for the right circumstances to do it. Um, you just have to do it. There is no, I don't know how, and I, you just got to do it. There is no, I'm trying, either you are or you're not, there you're not. There is no gray area. So either you are doing it or you're not. There is no I'm trying, I'm preparing, I'm getting ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. You will well, perpetually I mean, stay in ready. It's a matter of honoring yourself. It's a matter <laughs> yeah. of deciding to honor yourself. It's a matter of deciding to say, you know what, I'm going to go against the grain because this is more important for me to follow myself versus following the norms of the day or the societal, mm-hmm. you know, expectations. If you give societal expectations the honor that you're supposed to reserve for yourself, you get what you're supposed to get. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the consequence for dishonoring yourself. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to go against the grain. Mm-hmm. You know, all the time, if you really look at it, you have to go against the grain in order to gain progress. And I'm at the state now where I deem myself more important than any goddamn thing else out there. 
So if I got to shut it down while everybody else is kicking up their heels, then so be it. Mm-hmm. Because what I gain right. as a result of doing that is greater than what they gain as a result of kicking up their goddamn heels when they ain't close to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know thyself, that's what, honor thyself. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it's yeah. about. That's exactly what it is. When you place anything in that position, when you give anything <clears throat> that title of I'm going to honor these, honor this or honor that, whatever that is, in order for whatever reward that you're looking to get out of it, then you deserve to get what you're supposed to get out of it. And a lot of times, whatever you get is not for your benefit. Then, right. you know, you wonder why shit ain't working. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? You wonder why this year, this time next year, you're still saying and doing, I'm going to do better this year. This is 2016, and I'm going, you know. Yeah. And that lasts for yeah. two, three weeks it's or a month or however long it lasts. Change is, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. And I think that's what people get confused with is they think it's, you know, changes. Change is moving into the unknown or moving away from that which is comfortable or, or familiar is, is, is more than a notion, but it's something that once you get to know yourself and you decide to honor yourself and be your authentic self, then it becomes just the natural, it's just in the natural order of things. And I want to um, just give out the call number again. If you want to call in and join the discussion, it's 347-215-8639. And we finally have Aaron joining us. Hi, Aaron. Hey. (laughs) What's up, What's going on? What's up? (laughs) I think we got our... our, uh, Wires crossed a little bit, little communication wires, but I'm glad you were able to call in. So you have uh, been listening in for a while. Basically, um, we've just kind of been talking about the new year and the dead of winter, and I know you have some some opinions about that. Um, And honoring yourself and um just kind of what you know what it is to to start the new year in the in the dead of winter and and what people use the new year for versus kind of what the what the best way to take advantage of the energy and of the stillness and kind of hibernation of nature and earth and, and the world at this point and kind of what do you do what do you did you do anything to observe New Year, and um, if so or if not, what did you do or what do you do instead? Well, in the sense of starting a new cycle, I don't really do anything, um, you know, because it, we're we're in the darker time of the year, is, especially where I am, it's cold. It's not really a time for activity, and if you look outside, then the flora and fauna are telling you that it's not really a time to start anything. So what I like mm-hmm. to do is just <laughs> take it really easy, hibernate. And uh, and that actually is, is more in alignment with the original calendar year around which our current calendar year is built. You know, the the uh, months September, October, November, December, the, the first three letters of each month uh, coincide with, what, 7, 8, 9, and 10, Set being 7 and deck being 10. Mm-hmm. Because what would happen was, was the 10th month of the year, which we know as October, uh, would actually be the last month of the year. Uh, and mm-hmm. then we would go into a sort of, well, December was actually the 10th month. And so from December until the year picked back up in March, 
you sort of had another time where you hibernated, and then the year began once again in spring, and then it went until until December. I think going from the uh, from the uh, equinox to the solstice. So anyway, long story short, it's not really a time to start anything new. It's more of a time to close things up, rest, and then maybe begin to to think about what's coming next, and then lay seeds, uh, plant seeds in the spring with the actual new year. Right. So um, as far as being still and hibernating, is there anything that you do, because we talked about earlier about, you know, looking at your body as its own kind of society, community, and each one of your cells is a one-celled citizen, um, and you go into your body, is do you do anything specific for healing or cleansing or clarity or meditation or stillness during the winter in order to fully prepare your community for um, planting? Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to uh, clear out anything that doesn't, that no longer serves its purpose. And uh, the best way to do that is to get really quiet and just listen to yourself. You there, Aaron? Yeah, I'm here. Hello? Um, Hello? Am I, uh... Hello? Go ahead, Aaron. You're still there. That must be her. I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear I me? can't hear anything. Okay, now I can. Yeah. You can hear me? <laughs> uh, I can hear you. Yeah. Now. yeah. Okay, good. Um, it's uh, It's just as simple as uh, going inside and yourself tell you what what needs to go. But, you know, I have to qualify that because we're pretty in tune and we have pretty keen insight. So yep. it's probably already obvious mm-hmm. what needs to go. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of like what you were saying before, uh, having the willingness to let it go and go into that unknown or, or uh, compromising that familiarity and the comfort that comes from that, even though it's useless comfort, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, what about, um, you know, one thing we have, to, you know, the seasons change throughout the year, but we also have the moon cycle, which mm. is something else that we can talk about how we're affected by the moon cycles and how we can use the energy of the moon cycles and how the... Um, I'd love to talk about how how we use each of us uses the energy of the the moon or the full moon. Do you, is that more going with me personally? Full moon is more going within, kind of doing a self assessment, a meeting of how are we, what do we need to look at, what do we need to pay more attention to, what is it, what are our distractions, um, how are we caring for ourselves, and then the I, the new moon. Um, is more of setting my intentions for what mm-hmm. I want. And then, uh, of course, we have the solstice. The solstice um, is more for the new beginnings and moving forward. Um, do, you, do you do anything similar to that, or do you use the moon cycles for anything different? Um, Sean, we'll go with you first. I use I use the moon cycles in conjunction with the sun cycles. I don't um I don't I don't behold to one polarity or the other in that regard. 
I don't, you know, the moon and <clears throat> moonlight is basically a derivative of sunlight. You know, it, 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 it's, it's the opposite side of sunlight. So I, I kind of look at it in that regard. I look at it um, more of a um, a valiance to, to, to really monitor whether or not I'm hydrated. <laughs> and if, if okay. I'm properly hydrated, um, I, I tend to gravitate toward the the, 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 the front side observance of sunlight as opposed to, you know, the reflection of the sunlight as it as it's reflected in the moon. I do use it. I do use new moons <laughs> in terms of, of, of intention and things of that nature. I understand that the moon in terms of, of, of its its um effect on us is how can I say it? It's vital. But I I don't I don't place it in any more high regard than I do the sun, but I don't place the sun any more mm-hmm. high regard than I do the moon. I guess mm-hmm. I never really thought about how I how I observe the moon. I guess that's why I'm rambling around this question. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, I'm what about you, Aaron? Do you use the moon cycle? Uh, I have used the new moon in the past to sort of set intentions and visualize. Um, but it's nothing that I do regularly. And then with the full moon, I have in the past uh, not always consciously purged emotions at that time. But uh, once again, it's nothing that I do consistently. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important. Like you said, we kind of already know, and if you're in tune, you kind of know or sense when you need to use that energy to make changes or to adjust or to pay attention or to focus on something. So. I don't even, well, nothing has to, because then it becomes, you know, dogmatic and religious if you have to. Every full moon, I have to do this. Every new moon, I have to do this. So it, it's, it is all about listening to where but, you are but you know what, though, you're in tune. In, in, in all honesty, it, 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 it goes back to what we're talking about in terms of doing things when the energy supports it. Right. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. When, mm-hmm. Just like when we're talking about the the, the solstice, the, the equinox, and and planting and making your forecast then in terms of observing that as the new year, because everything in your geographical location. Now, of course, it's on the other side of the planet, things are different. But you're not on the other side of the planet. You have to go according with where mm-hmm. you are. So, with where you are, if the energy supports growth, that's when you use that energy. That's how the moon is, is observed. Mm-hmm. When, when, whenever, whatever you're trying to do, if it's being supported cosmically, that's the best time to do it because you have the aid of those energies and those influences that are already at play to be used personally on your behalf. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. reason why you do it. You do it in correlation with what everything else is doing. You don't go against the grain because there's nothing there to facilitate or to foster or bolster what it is that you're intending. Right. So the natural right. thing to do is to go with the energies that are already present. Go with the energy. It's not about creating energy. It's about riding the wave that's already out there. Absolutely. Right. Right. And to be clear enough and to have enough clarity, clarity to be able to 
rising energy. Um, yeah. And to know what that is, right. you have to be. Right. It, it's a matter of of tuning and clear, clear and, and gaining some clarity to be able to identify that and recognize that to be able to take advantage of it. And I think that's that's what the, the cleansing and the clearing and the stillness and the silence and the meditating and going going within really is. And I think the you know when people talk about meditating and you have to sit and be still, it's not a matter of it's it's a matter. That's what it is to me is clearing and having enough clarity to be able to identify the energy and being able yep. to to go with the energy, ride the energy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. And that's what it I is. I mean, that energy stuff. When you start talking about energy and you start talking about um, planetary influences and stuff like that, there's there's um, there's a science called astrocartography, and mm-hmm. what astrocartography does is it 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 shows you geographically where favorable energies and unfavorable energies were on the time you took your first breath. Yes. So there are certain places there are certain places that hold favorable energy for you. Because those energies existed when you took your first breath, signaturing you to that time and that space. So for example, you were born at nine fifty two and things were laying the way that they laid, those observances remain for you. So if mm-hmm. um, there was a favorable alignment that was in a certain position in the sky um, and you can make a correlation as to that positioning uh, uh, geographically, that favorable aspect or that favorable attribute lies in that geography for you, as, as does the contrary. If there's an unfavorable aspect in your chart, in whatever degree that is in the sky, and as it relates to your geography on the ground, there's an unfavorable location in that regard that is pertinent to you specifically. So when you're talking about energy, they're that interesting. And when you really start getting into, yes, favorable and Mm -hmm. unfavorable, Mm-hmm. Um, um, positioning it, and it's all harmonic. It's all sound. It's all resonance. It's all the planets and 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 their interplay with one another and their angles as they relate to one another and how that affects you. That shit is one hundred percent exact. That's why. Okay, we need to find a astro cartographist. <laughs> That's interesting. I hadn't thought about like specific. Oh, I know specific geography. Of course, it would have to affect you, I guess, um, just like the season you were born in or under, you know, where you were and the stars and all that, I guess. But I don't think I ever thought about that. But, you know, the geographical astrology. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me write this down. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I feel that with where I was born because there is a, there is a very specific vibration and uh, tone that where I was born mm-hmm. there, and any time I'm there, I feel like a different person. Yeah, huh. and that that's and I was born outside San Francisco. It's that whole Bay Area. It's just it's oh, uh, yeah pristine to me that area. Pristine. <laughs> wow, interesting. 
Yeah, I was born in Colorado. <laughs> born in Denver. <laughs> Mile above sea level in the winter. <laughs> so I'm sure that has some effect on me. I'm quite sure. Um, well, yeah. I, it does. Yeah, so that's interesting. It does. So, but but the as it relates to astrocartography, those favorable and unfavorable lines don't have to be anywhere near where you were born. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, that does have an effect. That's why when you get birth charts and stuff, they want to know your positioning. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Or, or even things. when you decide to relocate somewhere, because mm-hmm. you, you know based off of your personality and, yep. and, and energy where you where you would thrive and where you wouldn't thrive. Like I would not do well in New York City just because <laughs> I it would be just way too much. Way too much going on all times. I I like I'm I've been in very open space. Although there might be some places that are crowded but have a different feel, like San Francisco for instance. Um it has a completely different feel than New York, but in in but it's still heavy pop. It is it's a small area, so it's got a lot of people there and heavy heavily populated. So I don't know, but it's I I think that would really be good when you are considering relocating somewhere to mm-hmm. see what the astro what is it cartography the astro cartography is when you decide to go somewhere. Um, and at that time, that would that would I would say that would be really beneficial to see at that time when you're taking that move and knowing how you how you gel with the energy of where you are, what you're doing there, and what your purpose in 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 relocating is, and how that would affect you. So that that's a very valuable tool. I'm going to look into that. And hopefully, we can find we have to find somebody to. You have to find an expert have them on the show for that. Um, very good. Okay, so, Aaron, I want, mm-hmm. I want to explore this a little bit. Now, you say when you go to certain areas, now you were born in, in the Bay Area, and now you mm-hmm. live on the East Coast. How mm-hmm. how do you differ from when you're on the West Coast versus on the East Coast? Uh, it, it seems on the West Coast, and I don't know if it's because I was, you know, I grew up there, uh, that it's just easier to live. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just easier to breathe. Uh, I'm in I'm in Connecticut, so that could also be part of it. But um, it, it's just, uh, I, I can only define it as lighter, but I know that I'm also out here as part of, uh, as part of my journey, as part of my life's work. So uh, I, I understand that mm-hmm. I'm here for for a reason. But to answer mm-hmm. your question, um, there is something for me, and maybe it's because you know my 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 sign is Capricorn, and the Capricorn is traditionally resen- uh, represented as a goat and with a with a fish tail. So it represents you know water and mountains and the deepest deeps and the highest highs that. Uh, when I find myself in an environment where there are both mountains and water visible at the same time, it just feels right to me. It's just it's just easier. You know, walking around is easier. 
living is is easier. And it's not that it's hard out here. It's just that much more effortless for me out there. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. Okay. I have to agree. I have to agree with them. Now, I, I I did the exact opposite. I grew up on the East Coast, and I moved west. And I I I share the exact same sentiments that you just said. It's the difference in the air is different, you know. And and and, and there's a lot mm-hmm. to be said about densely populated areas. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You live in a densely populated area. And it also has a lot to do with 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 um, the northern versus the southern hemisphere as well. Mm-hmm. When you're in, when you're in the northern hemisphere and you're in a more colder climate, it, people do tend to be a little more harsh. Mm-hmm. People tend to be mm-hmm. a little less personal. People mm-hmm. tend to be a little more um, in survival mode than say the people further down south. You know, I remember uh, mm-hmm. the first time. I went to South Carolina. We drove to South Carolina from uh, from Pennsylvania. Oh no, from like from the D.C. area, close to Pennsylvania up north. And we were all struck by the fact that you know everyone when we were riding down the road, they if they're outside, they would wave. You know, <laughs> everybody would say <laughs> hi. <laughs> you don't get that up north. You don't say hi to one another and things of that nature up north. You know, I remember the first time when I moved to Atlanta, uh, my daughter and I, my daughter was probably about nine at the time. She went to the store with me, and she came home, and she was like, she told her mom, Daddy, Mommy, all of these ladies are saying hi to Dad. And she was like, you know, do you know, you know these people? She couldn't understand why they were so poor, <laughs> you know, speaking saying hi. Mm-hmm. She wasn't used to that because she grew up a north. Right. There's a lot to be said about Geography in that regard. When I went back, and I stayed in Baltimore for about six months prior to moving out here, and man, <laughs> you know, when you're when you're born in that kind of environment, you kind of don't see it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when you come out of it and then go back into it, you see it for what it is. And there's mm-hmm. a lot to be said about geography mm-hmm. in terms of how people relate to one another. And just general ideas about life. Geography has a lot to do with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. And I will say one one thing that I I've noticed growing up um, in Colorado and people who move out here, particularly from the East Coast, one of the comments they have about um, the people here, especially. Especially the black people here is that we're not we're we seem to be very unmotivated to we're not ambitious. <laughs> like why are you, why is why is why are you guys not so ambitious? You guys don't want anything. And so and it's not that it's more of a the way that we look at you know what's what successful living is. It's much more laid back. We don't need all of the stuff in the titles and the uh, accumulation of material stuff to say that we've done it or we've made it. We're, you know, you got everything you need by the end of the day, then you had a successful day. Um, Mm -hmm. Because we're, I would say we're much more connected to earth and the elements. Everything, everything that we're, it's it's a very outside 
environment, even people who live in the city, um, the city is built with lots of parks and lots of sidewalks and lots of room to you can walk almost everywhere if you want to. Um, and I've been to, you know, city cities that don't have sidewalks. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I It's very weird and strange to me. How can you not have sidewalks? How can you expect everybody to get in a car for every little thing? Um, because I grew up in a in a city where there are walking paths and sidewalks and bike paths and dog parks and people parks on like almost like every other block. There's open space where you can just sit if you want to, and people are always outside no matter what the weather is. If it's yeah. nine degrees outside, they're yeah. people sitting in the park. Yeah. So it's uh, always out. It doesn't matter if it's snow. It could be a blizzard, and there's people out running. There's people walking their dogs. There's people at the park all year round. So um, we, it's not about having, it is, it's becoming more of that way now because we have so many transplants that people are um, more interested in all of the material stuff, but it's nowhere near what it would be like in a D.C. area or New York or Virginia or those East Coast cities where people are extremely ambitious and with titles and degrees and and how many letters you have on your name and how much money and what kind of car you drive. It's just, it's, it's not what really drives us out here. What drives us is you go skiing on the weekend. Those are the successful people, the people who go skiing every weekend, um, live in the city, and they drive down the road to go skiing. Or if you go camping on the weekend, or if you have, if you have a, if you have a snowboard or not, or you know, those kind of things are the things that people here look at. You ride bikes. Do you, you know, all of the more outdoorsy stuff because that's kind of who we are. So it's very, the the language of everyday living is very different when somebody just comes here and they came here for work and they, you know, work in a building downtown and then when they want to social, you know, develop more of a social life, it's a clash of cultures um, because what they're used to seeing, um, I guess, would kind of look like a lack of ambition just because, you know, we're not interested. Um, so I, it, it, when you are relocating, that is one of the things to kind of consider or think about. Um, what's the culture of the city or the the town that you're moving in? So, and that, but I think that's part of the the whole overall shift of what's happening right now. With I think everybody is kind of reaching the the maximum of how much, how much can you collect material-wise before you realize it's not adding to your life or it's not making a difference to your life. And that pendulum, I think, is now starting to swing the other direction. And I think that is relevant with all the unrest that's happening right now um, is we're we're not as sold on the quote-unquote American dream as we have been in the past, is you work hard, and you get stuff and you get a car and you're able to, um, which is the world that doesn't even work that way anymore, um, depending on what generation you're in. My parents were able to, you get a job, you don't need a, you didn't need a lot of education to get a good job. You can work in a, in a warehouse or a factory 
um, or you work for the government or whoever for 30 years, you get a good paycheck, you get a pension, you get retirement, you get vacation, you get enough money, you can buy a house, you can buy a car, you can take care of your kids, you can live comfortably. That doesn't exist anymore. And so I think now the clash between I've done everything that you told me to do Mm -hmm. and I still don't have what you told me I was going to have, Mm -hmm. you can't tell me that same lie anymore. And I think that is what part of what's causing all the unrest right now is you've lied to me all the Now the jig is up. Right. You can't tell me that same thing anymore because with mass media and people being able to look and see what's going on and to look for information themselves and to to find out what you're telling me versus what's true because I'm able to look and see what other people are doing, it's not as easy to tell people one thing and then do something else because they can now, with the information, can check on it themselves. So now there's with the shift of the planets and and the new age and everything that's going on, there's going to be a lot of unrest. Um, and I think that's part of what we're seeing now anyway. So I think that whole pendulum is swinging back towards what's nature, what's natural, our roles as human beings as an extension or as a part, not even an extension of nature, but as a part of the whole versus a machine Um swinging that other direction. I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now um, with everything that's happening. Yeah. But the police, yeah. education. From, from, Go ahead, Sean. From a geographical standpoint, the closer you live to New York and what New York is, the more that, that sentiment of commerce radiates from that mecca because that's what New York is. Mm-hmm. So anyone who mm-hmm. lives within that corridor, that I-95 corridor, be it north of New York, south of New York, it's mm-hmm. the same thing, you know. That's part of the reason why they knocked down, why the government knocked down the World Trade Center, you know. that the, mm-hmm. It was more of a symbolic mm-hmm. thing more than anything, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that has a lot to do with it. I mean, you live in anywhere within that corridor, you're going to be affected by you know, the wheels of commerce, and that's going to affect your thinking because that's mm-hmm. what that, that generator really is. Right. You know. Right. And part can, of that generator I, is, okay, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I can vouch for that because in New York, oh, yeah. it's a major city to me. I'm right in between New York and Boston, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 And anywhere within... Anywhere within a 600-mile radius of New York, you're in the shadows of New York City. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, you're in the shadows of New York City. And your thinking will be, you know, you will be affected by that level of thinking. Mm-hmm. Materialism and the go-get-it and the, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. The one-upmanship, the competition, yep. the judgment yep. based on which school you went yep. to, that's, yeah, that's yep. here. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. And the contrariness, oh, gosh, people can be so contrary. Or if they left, they'll say right. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when and you feel powerless, that's the only power that you feel like you have is just to be contrary, just because I need to be able to feel 
like I can push something because otherwise right. you're still powerless. Yep, mm-hmm. that's the pushback. That's mm-hmm. the pushback. I can have some influence, even if it's a little bit, even if it's just to irritate you. I have some influence. Yep. Yeah. yeah that's deep. There's a lot. Yeah, it, is. it really 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 is. You just, and we're talking about New Year's. We're talking about the ball dropping. And we're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. Times Square and all of that. Mm-hmm. that. That energy right there, you can't really come close to understanding what that energy is by looking at it on TV. Mm-hmm. You have to be there or close there to understand what the influences of that place really are and how they affect the people that live in in and around that place. In what way? It's from someone who has not had... It's such a... Listen, anytime you can go somewhere and literally see a million people in a day, that's a lot of that's a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean you know you can see it on TV if you scan the crowd of a of, of a giant event or something like. If you go to New York and you sit on a bench and you sit there for six hours or so, you can actually see with your own eyes a million people pass by mm-hmm. in a matter wow. of two wow. hours. There is no man. Now, take into account how much energy that is in terms of individuals. Mm-hmm. Now, you have all of those individuals basically resonating from a common uh, energy as it's presented to them by that place. So when you're caught up in the fanfare that is New York City, you're pretty much caught up in the fanfare. And that fanfare, if it goes against the grain of who you are, you're swept away by it if you don't know any better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? In terms of going within ourselves and, and doing the contrary versus what everybody else is doing, it's cool when you don't have that type of <laughs> contrast to deal with. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the throes of, of, of eight to nine million folks that are sitting on top of you, mm-hmm. you feel that shit. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So how do you not absorb other people's energy when there's right. millions of people around you at all times? And so it's just kind of like you're just this ball being tossed around. This person's energy, this person's energy, this person's energy constantly all day long. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you have to, yeah, it, it seems like it would be even more. And then, And then with all the distractions on top of that in this big city, Nobody teaches you um, how to go within or how to, I mean, there are pockets of people who do that or can meditate, but as a society, and I'm going to contrast it with China or some of the Asian Asian cultures that um, have just as many people, but they have a cultural basis to go within or yeah, turn to the elements, dying. or that's dying rapidly. The more westernized they become, that that is, is, is diminishing. They're trying to keep up with New York at this point. That yeah, that energy is reaching that far now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Well, you have Chinese folks who most of them work in factories. Like a virus. <laughs> yes. 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 Exactly. It's like a virus. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And and you can't really and when again when you're in the throes of it, you don't recognize the cadence. You don't recognize the speed. You don't recognize the velocity in which everything moves until you come out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I moved to Atlanta, man, I couldn't see that a light. If you said at the light, when the light turned green, you better have your foot on the gas. I'm blowing my horn. Mm-hmm. And the, and 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 the cadence down there is far slower than it is up top. Oh yeah. So you have to readjust mm-hmm. and realign, and you don't realize how fast you're moving until you come out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, look at this shit. Then when you're looking back in it, you see it for what it is. But when you're in it. You don't know it. Mm-hmm. You swept away. You don't know it. No. Right. No. No. You swept away. Well, I remember I spent a no. summer in in the middle of France uh, in Vichy, and this was coming from Boston going to Vichy. And I was out of school, and lunch break was two hours, and dinner was four hours. And most of that mm-hmm. time was just spent, you know, having an easy conversation you know, not mm-hmm. not small talk, but actual actual human interaction, having wow. time to eat, having That's time to amazing. take it easy. Yeah, and that was on average, you know. And it wasn't like there was a time set for dinner. There was a time set for lunch, but it was just so that there was enough time to be still, to not be focused mm-hmm. on assignments or work. And I think the, the work week at that time was about 8 to 10 hours shorter than the average American work week, too. Yeah. Yep. You had to do less there. It moved a lot slower. Yep. Cars were half the size of the cars here. The roads were narrower. It was just, it was calmer. Yep. Wow. And they live longer. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and they mm-hmm. live longer. And they're happier. Yep. Yeah. They're happier. Less, yep. Not only live longer, but I'm sure they have less stress-related illnesses, less heart disease and cancer yep. and, um, you know, all of the major illnesses, diabetes, and all the things that we have because they take time to be still. Oh, yeah. Because we can't, you know, we do that and we're wasting time. You're not doing something that somebody can identify as something, then you're wasting time. There is no sitting still. Exactly. Which also reminds me, when I left for France, I was suffering from really bad uh, issues with acid reflux. And, you know, anything acidic or anything too harsh was basically off the menu for me. I pretty much Uh got off that plane. And I was having onions and tomatoes. You know, wine's part of French culture. It was wine mm-hmm. every night. Not just the glass, right. but I picked up it every morning singing, yeah. you know, Spot feeling on the great. Table. Yeah. Yep. No reflux, no anything. And it was stress, you know, stress versus wow. taking it easy. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Do you think wow. anything like that? Well, I don't even know if there's any pockets in the United States. There might be some small pockets in the United States that might be similar, but very, very few. I don't, and based off of how, what we value here, um, do you think that that could ever exist in, or, and I would say even some of the Northwest, Oregon, maybe parts of Washington, um, there are some communities that may be, maybe even some communities in Colorado, Boulder. There might be some areas in Colorado that might exist here, which is why people um, move to this part of the country. 
do you think the the geography, the topography of the northwest part of the United States lends better to that because of the environment? Not necessarily the people, but you know, geographically, the topography. Um, with you know, because it's a newer part of the country, because there's less people. Yeah, yeah because it's it's a newer part of the country. There are less people. There are less influence. There are less distractionary influences. With again, with New York being what it is in terms of a generator of commerce for this commerce machine, which is no is is the United States of America, which is nothing but a commerce generating machine. Mm-hmm. Experiment mm-hmm. and New York being right. the fulcrum of that commerce generating experiment, you don't have those influences out further out west in the northeastern territories. You know, you have trees, you have mountains, you have nature. Nature mm-hmm. is the prevailing factor there. You know, that's the predominant mm-hmm. factor. And when you come into that environment, you just like you're affected by the concrete jungle of New York, you're also mm-hmm. affected by the natural aspect of, of, of what nature is in those less densely populated areas. Mm-hmm. So you're more reflective. You're more apt to go and be that person that we're talking about becoming and being because you don't have those distractionary influence and trees ain't telling you to get on your grind. <laughs> Yeah. West mm-hmm. Coasters are called laid back for a reason. And, you know, I mean, I'm, right. I'm a Pacific mm-hmm. Northwesterner. Seattle is my hometown where I grew up. And I can tell you that what you're saying is true because, you know, when you, when you don't have to go anywhere to see two, two mountain ranges, to the, one to the east, one to the west, two bodies of water, one to the east, one to the west, and you look to the south, and on a clear day you see this 14,000-foot mountain, that does something to you on, on a, mm, a level, mm-hmm. not only on a conscious level, but on levels beneath the consciousness. There's just there's a, a proximity to nature that one doesn't have to have in the, in the metropolises of the east coast. You can still right. have it, but it's not obligatory. Right. Whereas out right. west, you're so surrounded by it; it's just so much a part of of the scene there that it it, it becomes a part of you. And like you were saying, you know, the trees don't tell you to get a move on. That that puts you right. at ease. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and living living in Colorado, man, living in Denver specifically, it, it, it's incredible. Yeah. In contrast to where I come from. I mean, you can be outside and it's 90 degrees and you can see areas that have snow on That to yeah. me is cool as shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? You can see so much of the sky that you can see the bow. You can see how it's rounded, you know. Mm-hmm. When you look to the north and you look to the to the south or the west, you know, the south, you can see how the sky is actually a sphere. How we're in a giant fucking snow globe. You can see that much of the sky. <laughs> right. And the right. fact that again, it's it's right. ninety degrees and you're sweating and you see in your in your periphery or directly in front of you snow <laughs> on the mountain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's wow, it's like wow, you know, that much open space you're able to to pretty much pull away more easily. 
from the distractions than, you know, mm-hmm. say versus a New York City, man, when everybody's on top of you and looking at you funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you get out their way and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's why I was saying earlier about how it, the way my personality is. I remember one time I, I was in Chicago on the subway with, uh, I was there for work with a coworker, and we just decided to go explore. So we jumped on the subway. And we were talking and talking to people on the subway and laughing out loud and, you know, just being ourselves. And this lady looked at us and said, you aren't from here, are you? (laughs) (laughs) And we said, no. And everybody was just sitting there very angry, looking forward, not making eye contact with anybody, not connecting with anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, just, and it was, and we were the only ones, you know, basically alive on the train. Everybody else was just to themselves in their own little world. Not even though all these people are in front of you, nobody's connecting, nobody's connected. Um, and you know, just like that, they were like, "You're not from here, are you?" And I have the same thing in a, in the, um, we went to a restaurant, and the the little, which I was not used to at all, is the. The people in the bathroom who basically are selling you the paper towel and soap and all that stuff, <laughs> which I had never, at that point, I had never seen that. We, that doesn't happen here. Um, and this lady standing at the sink with her basket full of stuff, and she hands me a paper towel. And I just looked at her and said, thank you. <laughs> and she said, you're not from here, are you? And I said, nope. And I walked out the door. I, I don't know. I, later on, I found out she wanted she wanted money for to hand me a paper towel, which I thought was really weird and strange. But um, she's holding paper towel hostage until I pay for it, give a ransom for the paper towel. Um, but definitely the energy is definitely different. And I would, um, I just, I don't know how long it would take. I would, I don't know how long it would take for me, either me have to give in to, possibly trying to create my own environment um, before that would consume me. Because if you're around that many people and it's you against a million people, how long does it take to suck you in and consume you? And what do you have to do in order to kind of create your own environment so that it is not consuming and it does not change you, not change who you are? I don't know if that is possible under those circumstances for an extended amount of time. Um, you definitely would seems like it would change you. I haven't had that experience where I've lived in a huge metropolis. Um, Denver's about as big city as I've gotten for an extended amount of time anyway. Um, so that would be interesting. But col- me with energy and culture, like I've walked into, you know, going on job interviews, I've walked into buildings and you're like, there's no way I could work here because... <laughs> As soon as you walk in the building, you get the energy of stagnation or stifleness, and everybody's quiet sitting at their desk, and nobody even has radio on, and and everything's gray, and the way people are dressed. I mean, you kind of know whether you fit into a culture or not. As soon as you walk into a building or as soon as you say hello to, you know, the people who are, you know, on the front lines, you can tell whether you're going to fit in or not. Um, and I think that, that, again, part of knowing who you are, feeling comfortable with who you are and where you are 
and not being swayed by every little energy that you encounter because if you're if you're not fully in yourself, it's easy to be pulled back and forth constantly mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and I and that of course adds to a lot of stress um, on emotionally, physically. Which if if you're not if you don't recognize that manifests some way physically, um, one way or another. Whether that's disease, whether that is um, disease in your in your body or in your life or in your home life or the way that you react to people or kids or your job or whatever it is. Um, the way you express yourself, all of that somehow is if you're if you're just being you know, if you're just you know, being tossed in the wind and have no foundation or nothing to hold on to because you have not done anything to develop self, you have no idea who you are. You have no idea what self is. Um, I was listening to this uh this lady talk about how she is tired of dating little boys. She was like, I need a man, I need a man, I need a man. She had all this definition of what a man was. And this man asked her, well, what's a woman? What makes you a woman? And she said, well, because I'm a girl and I have girl parts. And he said, no, that makes you female. What makes you a woman? Mm-hmm. And she couldn't answer the question. Mm-hmm. She couldn't answer the question. And I thought, wow. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. So I hope she went with that and took a look at that to evaluate who and what she is in herself, in her being, in her life, and be able to answer that question as clarity to what she wants in her life. Um, but I thought, wow, just with that one simple question, he just kind of rocked her whole world, walked away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was, it was, it was interesting. But I bet if, you know, when you ask people, what makes you happy? What's your passion? What brings you joy? People don't sit long enough to be able to answer those questions. They don't know themselves. So that's what, bring it all back full circle, that's what this time is for. That's what winter is for, to sit still, to get to know you as a person without all those outside influences, without your family, your kids, your boss, your the TV, friends, telling you who you are or who you should be, who are you without all of those outside influences. When you go within, when you're by yourself, when you think about just what makes you, you, can you answer that question? There are people who just can not or have not that still enough or are afraid to even end it. There are people who are afraid to even get that close to themselves to answer that question. They mm-hmm. are afraid of, you know, what the answer might be or if they have to say nothing or there's no one or there's nothing special. I'm, a, I'm only what other people tell me I am. Mm-hmm. Some people can't answer that question. So I think that's that's what this time of stillness and, and while, the you know, the trees and, and the bears are hibernating, causing us to go within to to prepare the soil. So what are you planting? If you're just planting more artificial stuff, that's what you're going mm-hmm. to get more artificial stuff out of 
out of your life. Um, uh, what for me, kind of take an assessment of who I am, where I am, what is what is really influencing me, what is really distracting me, what I'm really giving my focus and attention to is what I want to use these winter months for and how I express that and how that shows up in my life or doesn't show up in my life. Um, you know, what I, what I allow to bother me and not bother me. All of those things. It's just in a, in a time of reflection all around. Well, so this, wow, we've got about 15 minutes left. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and, go ahead and, and see what our last thoughts are. So, um, Sean, since you always say Aaron takes your um, your answer, I'm going to have you go first. What are your last thoughts? What do you kind of want to leave, leave people with as it's January, it's, 
every change you make is a complete change. Um, so start start with what you would consider the small stuff. If there are things about you that you want to change or do differently, and basically know that as a part of the universe, the entire universe has your back, and there are no there is no right and wrong. That's another whole other show we can we can do on that. But you can't do it wrong. There are consequences to every choice, but you can't do it wrong. There are just different ways you show up on the path, but you can't get off the path and you can't do it wrong. Basically what I would would say or, you know, use this time to really, really reflect on big questions of who are you, where are you, what influences you, um, what are you allowing into your life that you're not happy with and how do you how do you find your own strength and your own power to make the changes that you want to you say you want to make but you haven't made so just remember that there is no if if you are or you're not there trying means that you're not preparing means that you're not doing it um you could you should you would but means that you're not doing it so if there are things that you want to do, figure out what, what are those barriers that you've created against it. Um, Sean, did you want to finish your comment? <laughs> are you still there? Okay. Yeah, did you want to finish your comment? I was getting once I started, you come running back in. Well, no, I mean, I'm, no. I was pretty much finished, but yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. pretty much it, man. That, it, it like this, and, and it coincides with what you just said in terms of small changes. The things that we talk about in terms of making drastic changes are actually, in contrast to what we perceive as change, small things. You know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and 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 coinciding with the observance of going against the grain, it's not always about thinking bigger. It's about thinking small. You know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. that's right. small, small thinking. Again, that's where the change happens. That's where the change starts. That's where it magnifies, you know, as it moves outward. But it's it's a, it's a small thing. And if there's anything mm-hmm. that I would like to convey, that would be it. That would be mm-hmm. it. Right. Um, yeah, so the last thing I didn't... The last thing is that I've gotten, there are several, um, kind of depending on the the kind of galactic energy and galactic alignment right now that is saying that there's going to be some things coming up in 2015 and specifically 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to basically kind of change everything that we know about <laughs> how we've been living in society and government and all of that is going to take some some major changes, um, which I hope everybody is kind of excited about the fact that we're going to make a shift in knowing that how everything has been going is in preparation to whatever is is going to happen. So if anybody has any comments, questions, insight on that, we'd love to hear that and to share. Share that, and I'll, and there are some things that we wanted to. I think the next show, I kind of wanted to talk. There's some things I had on my list that we didn't get to talk about. I wanted to talk about 
um, all the things that are being placed in our midst as distractions, like um, mm-hmm. all of the things with the with education and police and government, and and I wanted did want to talk about the you know the feminist movement and how and how us as black people, black Americans, how all of that, how we really live. I wanted to talk about. We'll save this for the next show, but I'm gonna introduce it whenever that is. How we really live in two different Americas. Um. And I had a conversation with a coworker one time about he was talking about how how great everything was in the in the eighteen hundreds in the South and how he wanted to go back to that. And I just looked at him like, uh mm-hmm. for real? <laughs> and he had mm-hmm. no clue. No clue why I didn't agree with him or why I didn't talk about why I, you know, didn't jump on, Oh yeah, everything was great and simple and everybody, you know, walked around with um, you know, big hoop skirts on and gone with the wind, parasols and parties and balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was not the America I would have been in in the 1800s and they just completely disconnected. Um, but with, and this came up with um, talking about how black women fit into the feminist movement and all of the things of what, when, um, Coming up as young young people, what we had to worry about versus what our white counterparts had to worry about and what kids today have to worry about versus their white counterparts and how we fit into the education system and some of the things I've noticed with uh my six year old and him talking about and he and what he what he already notices about how Everybody's beige on TV, and there's no brown people in Charlie Brown except for <laughs> one person, and and those little things. Like it's it's interesting to kind of watch that from his point of view and his eyes. So let's do we'll do a show on that. So if anybody, if you're listening, and you have ideas or you want to be involved in this show, please um, you can send us an email at blueclick at gmail dot com, or you can join us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Just look in the search box, put Blue Click Expression of Spirit, and you should see Sean and Aaron and Nikki's, and along with a bunch of other people's names there, and you can join us there. We have really good information and discussions, but you can also, um, if you have any ideas for the show, um, talk about it there, or just, you know, want to talk about anything on Facebook, we can talk about anything there too. So go to... Um, iTunes, subscribe, leave a comment, blog talk, subscribe, leave a comment, read us, um, let other people know about us, and um, I did get the chat room open, there was a couple people in there, so thank you for listening, thank you for the callers online. Um, okay, last, last thoughts, we, gotta, we can end it now, but we got about five minutes left, so anything else you want to say, introduce, anything on your mind? Um you can go to Aaron has a Aaron has a book. Go to Amazon.com and look up Aaron Petrie. You can talk about you can find his um and you want to talk, mention your book really quick and your and your long hair Aaron um blog, video log. You talk about talk about what you're doing, Aaron. Here's your plug time. Oh sure. Well, the book's on Amazon, like Nikki said. It's uh, a play, but it also reads like a book. It is the fascinating adventures of nine people who work for the world's most popular coffee shop, 
and the uh, challenges they encounter, how they deal with them, and how they move forward. So a little bit of everything for everybody. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry. You're definitely going to be moved to think. And uh, just look at people differently who work in service positions. And then you can also go to AaronFetry.com, which is my personal website. So I just talk about my insights on life, uh, the creative process of someone in the performing arts, and all things that interest me. And then if you're into hair care, you can go to my hair care website, which is LongHairAaron.com, and I talk all about the art, the science, the psychology, and the philosophy behind hair care for people with Afro-textured hair. And really it's, it's about feeling good about your hair, but also your yourself as a person who has African features and the beauty that's in that and the pride that should be felt for having that. So that's really <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I, I like want to talk about? You know, we just talked earlier, we were talking about how in, um, your organs have energy. And mm-hmm. so when you get a transplant, mm-hmm. you kind of take on the energy of the organs. Mm-hmm. Um, hair has hair has energy and hair has memory. And so when you wear in other people's hair, how that affects you Oh, boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, when that hair is stolen, literally off of someone's yes. head. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how kind of energy? What does that do to you? That that would be interesting. In every every week or every other month, you got somebody else's stolen hair on top of your head. Yeah, that has to do something to you spiritually. Right? Absolutely. So. Oh, you know, speaking um, about organ trans organ transplants too, really quickly. I remember I watched Natalie Cole on something, and she had to get a liver transplant. And I think her liver was from someone who was younger and Hispanic. So she was just talking about how she was just feeling really peppy and young. And then after that, she released the Spanish album. So there you go. Oh, wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow, that's wild. That is wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so much to this. The more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know, and the more I want to learn. I, it's just, of course, never ending. But I just live from the point of I know nothing, and I just want to learn as much as I want, as much as I possibly can every day. Um, John, anything you want to talk about? What you're doing? What you're up to? Project? I'm looking for cycling that. I'm looking for fellow cyclonauts. I'm looking for anyone interested in cultivating or ingesting psilocybin. Oh, All wow. right. <laughs> right here. Uh-huh. We're going to have to go to the Telluride Mushroom Festival and uh, yeah, have a session. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be a good We're going yeah, to make our own little energy shift. We're going to shift the planet. Yep. Just the planet. With that one little session. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring that second sun that they keep hiding with all the chemtrails. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. And we will, um, of course, just subscribe because we don't. Um, have a regular regular schedule, although it's usually on Sundays. Um, to subscribe so you'll know when the upcoming shows are. Send us your ideas because we're always looking for good ideas. And if you want to call in and join us, feel free to do that too. So um, we're going to go ahead and say our goodbye. So peace. Um, happy stillness season. Um, and we will see you and talk to you next time. Thank you, everybody.
心。